Hi, I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. And with this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. I'm super excited to share that today's episode of Madly Forever is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made Personalized Vitamins and Supplements, which I recently discovered and am absolutely loving. I'm someone who's very discerning about what I put into my body, especially when it comes to vitamins. I really love that Nourish was founded on a science-based approach to personalized nutrition and incorporates the latest research and science evidence to assess my specific nutrient needs. Every Nourish supplement is backed by more than 45 years of nature-made expert nutrition science to ensure they're both safe and beneficial for you. The process of signing up for your personalized regimen is really customized and involves answering questions about your unique needs, including your diet, lifestyle, environment, and other concerns, all the things that make you, you. The packets are delivered to your door and the subscription is very flexible. A bonus is that the branding and packaging are really beautiful, so I can't recommend these vitamins enough. Go to www.nourish.com to learn more or to take the short assessment to get your personalized regimen and enter code MADLYFOREVER30 at checkout for 30% off your subscription for the first month. Code is valid through the end of September. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Madly Forever. I am thrilled to be here with my husband, Brian, today. Hello, everyone who hasn't been here in a couple of episodes, but he's back. <laughs> and we're here with Courtney and Michael Adamo, who are all the way very far away in Australia, in Byron Bay, or close to Byron Bay. Um, and it's tomorrow for them uh, compared to <laughs> SNL, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And i um, so excited to chat with you guys. Oh, well, we're really excited to chat with you too and, and honored that you're interested in chatting with us and hearing our story and everything. So I'm, I'm Courtney and um, I'm here with Michael. Hello. <laughs> and we are, so we live here in um, just outside of Byron Bay in a little town called Bangalore. We are parents of five children. Our eldest is 15. Our youngest is three. Um, we're currently dealing with teenage and toddler problems. <laughs> so um, feeling the challenges of that. And um, yeah, we've lived here in this area for nearly four years now. Um, before that, we traveled for 18 months. And before that, we were in London for, for 12 years. Um, and yeah, we, we 
literally every day feel thankful for where we have landed and this kind of life that we have now. Mm. So happy to hear that. Yeah. So just to give everyone a little backstory where we met the Adamos is in Tokyo when Brian and I had just gotten engaged. Um, Brian yeah. had just proposed to me. I don't even, it wasn't that day, was it? It was probably a couple days. I think it was the next day, maybe. It was uh, the day after. Uh-huh, the day after. And we saw your beautiful family on the bridge, just like such a beautiful scene of you guys. And I think your kids were just like drawing in the street, just like the most <laughs> idyllic looking family. Um, we'd been traveling, you know, all over the world and living this, you know, alternative lifestyle. Um, that Brian and I, you know, we just, I just said, I, you know, that I wanted to marry him. We were just like setting off on this adventure together. And I think seeing you guys and your family and that choice to live an alternative lifestyle and, you know, travel and, you know, didn't you guys sell all your possessions and just go, right? Not everything. We, we sold our house and, you know, all the big things, the car, the house, all the big pieces of furniture. We just kept the stuff that actually we thought we'd want wherever we live. Right. Everything. You unburdened yourself and just... Yeah, we definitely felt really good. Did. Yeah, it felt... Yeah, it felt really good to do it. And also was really eye-opening to do it because you kind of realize, you know, we consider ourselves quite minimalist. And when you do that, you realize actually yeah, how much stuff you have. <laughs> and it was so eye-opening and just, I mean... Yeah, you go through the process of thinking, oh my gosh, how have we amassed all this stuff in our lives? And I never want to do that again. Um, so anyway, yeah. so many kids, it's easy to do that, I can imagine. Just it's so easy to do that. You know, you think like one year you're, for Christmas, your kids want rollerblades and, you know, and then there's the bike that they wanted and then they outgrew and it, you know, and it's like you have to you go camping one time and you need that one tent and then you need, the, you know, and it's like, and then stuff sits in your basement that you just don't actually need. And um, it's so easy to, yeah, collect. Yeah. And it becomes yeah. stressful to have it. Yeah. Because it, it holds you back from just feeling free and untethered. It does. It does. Yeah. Also, I think when you live in a big city, um, you know, I had, I, I considered myself to have a very small closet, but when I look back at the clothes I had, I had so many clothes because you're, you're passing all these cool shops and you're passing all these cool dressed people who look really trendy. And it's so easy to like want and need more stuff. Whereas when you kind of, certainly when you live in a smaller town, like where we live now, we don't have those sort of temptations as much. Right. Right. Or when you're traveling and you can only fit X amount of, that was seriously the biggest <laughs> lesson for us like I had like seven dresses and I just right. wore them like once a week yeah. and and you know you you're the happiest you've ever been totally it's, you're you're not thinking about that stuff and it's just no. automatic yeah I'm the same I, I'm very much wired that way though I just as Brian knows <laughs> I, I was going to say, seven dresses that you rotate sounds exactly like Jesse, and no matter what city or town or, or vacation we're on. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely into the minimal, into the minimal outfit situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, take us back to maybe before we met, you guys were living in London separately. How did you guys meet? I imagine it was in London. 
No. No, we actually met in Los Angeles um, okay. before, uh, a few months before um, I had a job offer in London. So there's a whole story here, which Courtney <laughs> can tell. I don't know how much time we have for these kinds of no, stories. I'll try but... to be quick. We, um, I just graduated college. I graduated a term early. So I moved to LA in April and um, I met Michael because he was the older brother of a friend of a friend. <laughs> so um, anyway, we, I, yeah, I mean, if, how long of a story do you want? I fell in love with him the moment I met him and it took me a couple oh. months to convince him to like me back. Yeah. And, um, and then we got, he got this job offer to go work in London and um, we'd only been dating for like two months. And I was like, great. Always wanted to live in Europe, and he was like, "You can't come." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you can't go without me." <laughs> um, and so I had to convince him to let me come. And then um, we moved to London together. And then, and we actually thought that he—it um, was a three-month contract. Yeah, and, and I we, thought it would probably go for a year or two. Um, you know, after we got past that three months, but it went for twelve years. You know. Yeah. So. Or at least wow. we stayed for 12 years. I worked for that company for nine of those 12 years. Wow. And, and I literally brought over two bags, a, a suitcase that, that I checked, and my carry-on bag. And that we never moved. What? So even when we got... No. We just, we just built a life like that. Like, I never properly moved. Even when we got married, like a year and a half later... Mm. We got wedding gifts, but we just left them in my in the closet in my in the house where I grew up, my bedroom closet, because we were thinking, well, we won't be in London that much longer, and like a lot of these, like the KitchenAid has like a US plug, and like why would we bring it to London? Right. And, we, and we just kept thinking we'd go back, but we never did, so we just. So there's still a closet full of wedding gifts. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like more expensive. Means, but yeah. yeah. Oh my God. More expensive to ship it than to just buy a new one probably yeah. as well. So yeah. yeah. It didn't make sense to bring it over. Yeah. And so how long were you guys together before you had kids? We were only, we'd been living in London for a year when I got pregnant. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's so much um, sort of like, press and and focus on you guys as a family but not that many like stories or insight into you two as a couple like about yeah. your romance and your relationship and so we're curious how I mean with five kids we can only imagine we have one daughter with you know one on the way just how you guys find time for yourselves as a couple how you keep the spark alive how you you know just keep it going with such a which I'm sure is just such a fun household full of energy and life um but also probably just like a lot of chaos at times right for sure it is all those yeah. Things, yeah I mean yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and alternating constantly throughout the day between you know joy and drama and you chaos. know chaos <laughs> and sadness and elation and you know <laughs> just goes through the cycle as it should My be point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Michael and I are both from big families, so I'm the eldest of five kids and Michael's the eldest of seven. And so that sort of chaos and I guess the volume in our house is normal. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> okay. That's not completely 
alien to us to have, you know, lots of people around all the time. But still, like, it is, it's a lot, you know? And um, I think it's, it's even, it's like hard now to remember what it was like before five children, before, or even with one child or two children. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I, we just really kind of take it each step as it is. I remember even when we had the one, you know, one baby, and um, I remember thinking, how in the hell did my mom have five kids? Like, how did she do that? She is crazy, you know, and here we are right. <laughs> with five kids, you know, and... And we're it, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but you just do it. What becomes your new normal is your normal. I right, and I'm sure it gets easier with each child too because you're more seasoned and like the other kid, the older kids help out. And it, you know, it's not like you have five babies at once. You have totally it that that's so true. And you know, I think it's it's also interesting. I remember having younger kids and I was quite young when I had them and I would meet all these other women and mothers in, in London and they would say things to me like, oh, yeah, it's hard when they're little. You know, it doesn't get any easier as they grow up. <laughs> and they would mm-hmm. say it with such, a, you know, with really good intentions. But I remember literally thinking, liars. Right. Like, this is so hard, you know, and this is physical and it's mentally hard and like and it has to get easier and the the truth is that actually it doesn't get easier hmm. if they were right you know it, well, it, it, it changes yeah i think i think yeah for us right because when you have five kids it doesn't get easier you know maybe if we had stopped with two yeah we have, we have two teenage boys right now like they have their moments where they fight and chase each other around the garden with sticks but you know <laughs> Mostly they get along and we'd have a lot of free time, you know, like our circuit would be really good right now yeah. <laughs> if we only had two teenagers. So. Yeah, and that's true. And maybe what we're finding extra challenging is that we've got the teenagers and the toddler and the ones in between. So um, it's quite a lot. But, you know, it is. It's just as your kids get older, they um, do require a different energy in the parenting that you have to give them. Um, and so it's a constantly evolving learning process totally. that we are all on as humans. <laughs> so um, that's right. how we, yeah. When you, so when both of you were growing up in, in large families, how did your parents seem to find a way to, you know, keep their love going and their, their spark together? And did you feel like you, you learned from them, did you learn some things to do, not to do, did you kind of, take that with you into your relationship? Yeah. I mean, I, I, my parents, it's a sort of interesting story. They were married for 25, something like that years and then got divorced. Um, Easton was one. So, you know, they started having grandchildren and and got divorced. Um, And, but and it was a really big shock to us all because we all thought they were like in love with each other, mm. you know, and they were still like really playful and everything. And so that, um, for me, that was a lesson in what, what you see from the outside isn't always the case on the inside, you know, like, um, a relationship can be completely falling apart and struggling and no one can, can know, you know? Mm. Um, and 
that, yeah, like I didn't, I, Michael and I have always had this, um, you know, well, we, we communicate a lot, but also I, I don't want people to think we have a perfect marriage. <laughs> like I'm all, I like, you know, cause we don't like no one does, you know? And, you know, I'm not afraid of like talking to my girlfriends when we have an argument or, you know, even sometimes when we do have an argument, Michael will say, you know, stop shouting. The neighbors are going to hear. And I'm like, I don't care if the neighbors hear. <laughs> you, know? you heard that one from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you don't tell me they don't argue. Yeah. It's argue. like, let's rein it in, bring it indoors. I'm like, no, let's take it to the street. <laughs> we, we every two years so that we like, get new neighbors that don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. I think that's sort of a, a female quality though I feel like it's like that like embrace embracing emotions right in the moment and like being able to like ride that and the guy's like let's contain this at the, let's, let's not let this get out of control yeah <laughs> that's definitely what happens here uh-huh. yeah. but on the other hand there's so much that we gain from that in our relationship like I know that Michael there's so many things that Michael would just kind of ignore and kind of try to just like you know forget that happening and move on and like or just you know you're he he's not as much of a talker as I am like I need to talk about everything so sometimes we'll even I'll even <laughs> walk up to him and he'll be sitting, you know, on the sofa and I'll, and he'll go, Oh God, now what? He <laughs> <laughs> can like see, see it on my face before I even say anything. And, but, you know, and then we'll have a conversation and then it always ends with him thanking me for coming to him because you feel so much lighter after you've talked it out. And so and closer, so much closer after. So much closer. And yeah. I think that that's really this, the, what, how our relationship works. Because like I said, like we, it's not perfect and we have ups and downs and we have arguments, but we always kind of come out of those arguments feeling closer and like, would you agree? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not afraid of like having an argument. It's funny too, because when we lived in London, we had this policy that we were never going to argue in front of our children. (laughs) And it was a lot easier in London because we had younger kids and they would go to bed at seven and we lived in like a terraced house and they were way up at the top asleep and we could have an argument after they went to bed and they never knew. And, um, I mean, I, I'm probably sounding like we argue all the time. We don't like that. No, no, no. no it's, that's it's a, a natural part of living with anybody. Yes, mm. you know. But I think I think arguments are actually really healthy for children to witness. And I think I forget who told me this, but letting the kids also see the reparation process is so important because usually it's like they see the argument and then it's like we're like, you know let's cut this out. The kids are around and they never see you repair it and you repair it behind closed doors like later, but letting them see you, you know, argue, disagree, but then also letting them see how then you can come back together. You can make up, you can repair and let them see that that's okay. Like it's not scary to, to disagree, to argue, to like be upset with one another. That was definitely like, that was one of the biggest lessons we learned. Um, 
while we traveled because we had absolutely no personal space for 18 months. You know, there were like months and months where we were all six of us at the time in a camper van, you know, (laughs) with like, there was never a moment to, that we didn't have our children around us. So I remember the first time we argued in front of our kids. I very specifically remember it. And, you know, it was a conscious thing where I was like, okay, we've never done this before. We've always agreed we would never do this before or, you know, do this. And, um, and then I, I felt it and I was like, actually, this is going to be okay because we're going to have this argument and then we're going to have this discussion and we're going to make up and it's all our children are going to watch that and how healthy, like you said, how healthy it is for them to see. Yeah. I think it's doing them a disservice to shield them from that. Totally. Because I think that's like what you're describing with your parents, right? Like that you think everything's perfect and you're so confused when things fall apart, but like, yeah, part of the getting along is being able to disagree. A hundred percent. And yeah, going back to Brian's question, I think Michael and I both feel that we never really saw our, our parents argue. Yeah, that's right. Um, mine probably more than yours. I think yours probably never did. Yeah, I, I have a hard time recalling any significant arguments between my parents, you know. And I don't think it's because they had a perfect marriage. I just think they probably kept it behind closed doors. Um, yeah, which then, you know, doesn't teach like you said, doesn't teach your children how to communicate in that way or to like resolve things or, you know, yeah. And it's so good for kids to see that you can really still love each other after you've had such a disagreement. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, quickly you can. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. In theory, you like. <laughs> totally. You can like you go from a hundred. Fight, yeah. And then yeah. you have a discussion that's heated <laughs> and then you repair and then, and then you love it's each fine. Other yeah. Whereas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when you thought your kids were in bed in London, they still heard you fighting, right? Because you're screaming, let's say, but then they yeah. didn't get to hear the rest of the process. So then they're just yeah. like worried, like, oh my gosh, I heard this fighting. And the next day you seem to be okay, but they don't really know. And they don't know how you got there. So yeah, I'm a big yeah. Of talking it through. Mm-hmm. Respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely... Yeah, so yeah. You, ha- you had 18 months on the road with no personal space. So for, yeah. for a couple, that seems challenging, right? Mm. Well, we obviously had a night of personal space because Wil- <laughs> Wilkie was Because Wilkie, the- yeah, Wilkie came out yeah. of this process. <laughs> no, it- At least there was one. <laughs> more than one night of per- No, but <laughs> I mean, to, be, to be very open with you, like we were like making out with a toddler in our bed. Like that had to happen that. A sleeping toddler. Yeah, a sleeping toddler. Yeah. Should we clarify? <laughs> it's so funny because this is just a funny story. But when we told the four children that we were pregnant with Wilkie, um, you know, and we've always been really open with our kids about um, how babies are made and um, sex and pregnancy and, you know, all those things. So anyway, we, we told our children we were pregnant with Wilkie and Ivy, who was six or seven. Uh, she would have been seven or almost seven. She, yeah, she was seven. Yeah. yeah. She says, we, should we sit down? And all the kids are so excited. We're sitting around this, this table and they're all, you know, the boys are excited and mama's excited and Ivy's just stone cold still. <laughs> and then she goes, but... 
when did you make a baby? And we're like, oh, well, you know, we were in Italy. She's, where? And we're like, well, you know, in Positano. When That's we were where in Amelie was made. No way. <laughs> On oh, our honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, yeah. The, Wilkie was definitely after too many, like, Afro <laughs> for sure <laughs> but um were you yeah, guys so, planning on having another baby or no no oh really no it was a we're actually trying not to yeah. have a baby. oh my gosh that's yeah amazing. it was a big surprise like a shock and, and that's a whole other story I mean that that was like a big journey of, in yeah. our relationship too totally. but anyway going back to the story Ivy was so like so adamant like Lux. where and where were you and we're like we were in the bed in the apartment in Positano and she goes and where was I like she couldn't she could not that is so, so funny <laughs> so sweet anyway. that's the best reaction ever oh my god she's like where oh, was yeah, I at so that exact moment like exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny oh so I didn't realize that wasn't a planned fifth okay so no, that was like no. a curveball for you guys. That was a big curveball, yeah. It was. And that, yeah, that was, I mean, yeah. If, like, speaking very honestly, that was, it made for kind of a difficult time for us and a difficult pregnancy for me because I felt, like, very alone mm. in that pregnancy because mm -hmm. it was not something that Michael was really enthusiastic mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, like, you know, that's not how he wanted me to feel, but it, right. it was how I felt. Yeah, it was just hard. I, I thought we were finished, you know. And I, um, we were also in this transition phase where we were looking where we were going to live next, and having a baby was, you know, at the time I thought it was going to be a real complicating factor. I didn't know how we were going to, where we were going to have the baby, when we were going to have, you know, we knew when, but where we would be when we would have it. And how we would, you know, uh, emigrate, you know, to Australia if that's what we we're going to do while pregnant. I didn't know if that was even possible, if it was going to be a strike against us, you know, if we would um, have to go back to the UK for a while or if we have to stay in the US for a while. So, yeah, it did complicate things. So, it really complicated things. And obviously, now, you know, we're overjoyed to have Wilkie and, and I came most around days. <laughs> <laughs> most days, yeah. <laughs> And he's so adorable. I, oh my God. He reminds me of Amelie. I feel like they look so similar in a lot of they ways. Are, they're very similar in age, aren't they? Yeah. Amelie, she was three in June. Yeah. Okay. So Wilkie was Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So cute. I know they, they both of them with their blonde hair. I know. Blonde curls. So yeah. cute. But yeah, of course. I mean, five, I feel like the jump from four to five, I mean, it's just, it seems like a lot. Like well, also, you know, we'd really like, we were in a really good place in our family and our youngest was three and a half. Like she, so Mala was four and a half when Wilkie was born. So you kind of way out of that phase, you know, yeah. and we, really, you know, we'd get, you know, as, as when we left London, we got rid of all that baby stuff and really had kind of. Yeah. Mala was a very mature, you know, three and four year old. So yeah, she was easy. She wasn't, yeah. she wasn't like a baby at all. So we were she was very independent from the very beginning. And so, you know, we really didn't even have a baby when we had her as a baby. Wow. And then we really had to go, you know, back into that, um, 
baby face having never thought we would and that I would say like that first year of Wilkie's life was the most difficult we've had in our relationship and that was in where you guys are now yeah yeah Byron Bay yeah yeah I mean living here so happy and yeah. and so overjoyed to be here and you know with really nothing to complain about Right. Except for the fact that it just put a lot more stress on, you know, on our relationship. And also because we had been traveling for 18 months and that's so wonderful to do that. And it was like the best, like the best time of our life, you know, it was so um, wonderful. And, and then that transition of like adjusting back to real life, you know, and Michael started working again and that was really challenging. And yeah, and it was just a lot of work. And, you know, when you have four kids who are school age, you know, and you're trying to get them off to school and get their lunches packed, then you're also dealing with a newborn, you know, or um, a toddler. It was it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in a way. You know? Well, nearly so, broke up our back. <laughs> you made it through, yeah. You yeah. made it through. It was just that, that much, too much work, you know, for the two of us to share without having, you know, occasional uh, conflicts over it for sure it was pushing us both to our limit Mm -hmm. it also was a transition because you know when we lived in london michael had a job where he would leave every day at you know nine and come home at 7 p.m and and um our roles were very clear you know i was home with our children and Um, you know, I also worked from home, but I understood that as my role that I was to watch the kids and, you know, take care of the house and try to work from home. And when we moved here, Michael started working from home. So we were both working from home. And I think that was a really big adjustment for us because Michael sort of I hope you don't mind that I say this, but I I feel like he still saw it as like, all right, 9am I'm working and I'm going to work till, you know, I'm off work where I was like, but we're both working from home and we're both earning equal money here. And there's a child to watch and a house to take care of. And so struggled in that a little bit because it was like just redefining our roles in our family. And as you know, both of us with jobs, equally important jobs. So that I found also complicated. And so how did you guys navigate that? Because I know I I see that like, Michael, you seem like such an involved dad and you're always cooking like delicious (laughs) pancakes and amazing lunches for your kids. And you seem very much hands-on. So how did, did that sort of like have to be a conversation that you know, opened up or was that always there? How did that, how did you guys fall into the roles that work for you guys now? Well, yeah, I mean, I would say, um, we had to, we had to, you know, come up with strategies for working. So there would be days where, um, you know, let's say my hours were, you know, nine to three that day, then I was on. And then after that, I would, you know, look after Wilkie and figure out dinner while Courtney had a few hours to work other days where she could, you know, work the lion's share of the day and I would um, look after Wilkie, but it wasn't easy. And it was hard because my job has regular hours um, where her job, because she's working for herself, um, if she wants it to, she can slot it in different places. That's not always the best way to work or, you know, the way she wants to work. But it was hard because 
I had no flexibility. She had some flexibility, but it wasn't necessarily a good thing for her to be flexible with her hours, right? So right. there's a big conflict over that. Um, I mean, I, I, like to answer your question, Michael's always been really hands-on, but in London, you know, he wasn't there as right. much, you know? Yeah, so between he, nine and seven, I wasn't hands-on. But, you know, I would, I would get up and make breakfast. You know, we didn't have to make lunches, thankfully, back then. But <laughs> I would take the kids to school every day, and then I would come home and, and hop on my bike and, and ride to work. And then at night, when I got back, you know, they were either fed or, you know, yeah. or dinner was ready. And then um, I'd put them to bed. And, and then, then and on the weekends, we were very like, yeah. we stayed together. We, we, we made pancakes always <laughs> every Saturday and Sunday. We went to the, the Heath and, and rode bikes. And like, we were always together as a family. Neither of us had you know, weekend hobbies or sports or things that we did on our own. It was always like as a group. Yeah. So we've, that's always been a priority for us, that family time. Yeah. Um, but definitely since living here and because we both, work from home and Michael works so much, um, you know, he works from 10 till well, I have, I, 4 or something. Yeah, what, do you, what do you do, Michael? I don't, I don't know what work you do. So I work in animation production mm-hmm. and um, I've kind of, I started as an animator. So a guy who sat there and, and, and drew for hours on end um, in the dark. And I did that for a few years and realized that it was too hard and, and there were too many people who were better at it than I was. And so I moved over to the, the producing side and slowly from there I moved over to the business side and now I, I work as a really as like a consultant to a company uh, in Melbourne so um, sort of a management consultant um, but they are in the, in the business of animation production. Oh cool. And so he can work from home basically just you know he spends a lot of time on the phone or yeah I'm constantly on, on Zoom or on Slack yeah. and you know just communicating with everyone um, but his hours are like much better. You know, yeah, so I'm working about thirty hours a week, and uh, and I can I set the the schedule the week before. That's great. It's nice. Was that a big part of as you guys were thinking about going on the road for you, Michael? Just getting to spend more time with the family, not two days oh, a week, but sure. seven days a week. Yeah, that that was that was one that was really the main motivating factor. You know, we thought Easton was. Um, turning 10 years old and, you know, we couldn't believe 10 years had already passed and where it had gone. And, you know, we'd always valued time with our kids above everything. And so that was a chance to really dedicate, you know, at the time when we left, we thought a year, we ended up being longer than a year, but we just wanted to dedicate that time to the kids. And, um, and then when we decided we were going to leave London and, and move somewhere else, we wanted to find a place where that could be part of our lifestyle, where we weren't going to be, you know, just working all the time to make ends meet. Sure. Yeah. A and, big life upgrade, it sounds like. And so then... Yeah, at, it was. Yeah. At, at what point in the trip, or, or had you left on the you left on the trip knowing that you were kind of looking for that spot? Or is it on the road you decided you wanted to find a spot like that? And tell us a little bit about that process, like through the lens of you guys as a family and your relationship and how you chose... Yeah, I think... Um, Courtney left knowing she wanted to leave. She had been sort of nudging me for about five years to leave London. Um, but I was, I was really happy there. I, I thought we had like attained like a really good work-life balance and it was a really interesting place to live and it was a really interesting place for our kids to be brought up. And so I, when we decided to do this trip, I was sort of thinking we could end up back in London. 
even though I knew that she was thinking, no way we're going to end up back in London. Um, but definitely when we chose the places that we were going to visit, we chose places, not all of them, because Tokyo wasn't on the list of places we might live, but we chose places to visit that we thought maybe we could live there, you know? And so uh, we, were, we were definitely open to that. And, and as the trip progressed, we became more open to it. And the idea of going back to London, for me at least, became, you know, less enticing. And so... I think you knew. We were in um, a little town in Brazil. So at that point, we'd been traveling for about two months. Yeah. And at that point, I remember Michael looking at me across the table and saying, we're, we're just, we can't go back to London. <laughs> Brazil <laughs> will do that to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which town? Sorry? Which what town? town we were in Trancoso. That's the best. Isn't that your favorite yeah. place ever? That's where I was trying uh, to take a sun vacation when things get back to somewhat normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, that was such a huge highlight. We spent a month there and wow. we just, we were already when we were there thinking, how can we come back here? Maybe we should come <laughs> to spend um a year or two here. We were thinking, oh, there's no like fresh fruit <laughs> juice stand in Tranco, so maybe we'll do that. Like we were really like we loved it so much. We thought maybe we can live here, you know, yeah. <laughs> not forever, but you know, we thought mm. we were thinking of how to keep that adventure going. adventure going. So cool. And I mean, it's just so inspiring that with four kids, you were still in that mindset because I feel like that's how we are when we travel. I mean, we just moved, you know, to Santa Barbara area, but we were always on the lookout. Like where is that place that feels like, you know, it has all the values that we want and that sense of like, you know, tr- a transporting place that is a little different, you know? Um, and I think we're still, even we, we live here now, we're obsessed with it. We love it, but we do still have that like adventurous spirit. That's oh, I think we're always going to want <laughs> to live somewhere, yeah. you know, different. It's mm. fair for us that we take a trip somewhere and don't like take the trip through the lens of like, what would life be like if we're living in this place? Yeah. Just we, like, we've always traveled that way. Yeah. We always, and we, yeah, we definitely, those 18 months of traveling, that was definitely how it was. Like just envisioning kind of our life there. And, you know, yeah. after Brazil, we went on to Uruguay and we, we had such a, we were there in Uruguay for a month and we were in this, we were in a few different spots, but everywhere we went, there was a really great expat community. We connected so easily with people. It was, you know, safe and it was, it felt a bit like the, a little European country in South America. And we totally thought we could see, we were looking at schools. We were talking to people about, you know, house prices. And so we honestly, we just continued this journey, like doing that. Such a fun exploration. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, what do you think is like the sweet spot for kids to go on this type of adventure? If you were, cause you had so many kids at different ages. So for people who maybe have two kids, like, mm. like we'll have, <laughs> what would you say is like the, the sweet spot to like take your family on this type of journey in terms of their age ranges. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, so our eldest was 10. Um, and then the youngest was nearly three. Um, she was really, really independent. Like we said before. So she was not like, I can't imagine doing that trip with Wilkie, for example, because he is 
a very different child. Yeah. And um, so much more needy. And um, it, I wouldn't want to, 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 yeah, I just don't know. Like, I can't imagine doing that with him. Yeah, so it's, so, it's probably child dependent. Yeah. But what I'd say, like, it was a good age for Ethan at 10. At 10, yeah. Because he was, he was still more interested in his family than his friends or his, you know, um, hobbies. And I, I, I think he was still, like, I think we sort of um, imbued in them a, a, a love of, like, travel and adventure. But I think, you know, trying to take him as a teenager would have been hard. Like, even now, like, we said, Ethan, let's go for six months somewhere. If there was surfing involved, he'd be up for it. <laughs> and if there wasn't, you know, then he would much rather stay where his friends are and, and where the surf is, you know. Right. So I think that age, so preteen, was pretty good. But then again, you know, like Quinn's 13 now, and I could imagine Quinn still being game for an adventure. Yeah, like middle that. school. Middle school is always a time to avoid, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good yeah. time to, to pick up. Yeah. Before that, I'd say, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, an, it's, it's, it's different for every child, right? And also, yeah. you know, the older they are, the more they get out of a trip like that, the more they remember and stuff. So that right. too is really great. You know, like, you know, Malo won't remember as much right. as her older siblings. Right. Um, it's not as formative necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, di- you know, for different reasons, but yeah, between, yeah. between three and 10 or 12, maybe. Then you can okay. Stretch it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll pull that down somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, so what is like a date night for you guys? Do you have that? Do you have like a date night ever? We used to have more. We had regular date nights in London um, because our life, our whole life, was a lot more scheduled there. So mm-hmm. it made sense that we always had that. But here, actually, you know, recently in the last couple of years, we've you know had kids that are old enough to be babysitters. So so cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. It's so good. So um, I would say our date nights are a lot more random here. It's just yeah. like the kids say, oh, we just want to stay at home. And we're like, oh, then we're going to we'll go, go We'll go walk into yeah. town. Okay. Pre-COVID, yeah. um, which is like a long time ago now. Yeah. But yeah, we could just walk into town and go to dinner, you know, and um, on our own and know that they were going to be fine. Back home Sounds or- so chill. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice that having older kids who can babysit, there's just that takes the pressure off you having to slot something in right. and yeah, and you organize know, and here, the babysitter yeah. you know, a couple of days in advance. And and you know, we're not in London where you have to book a restaurant a month in advance either, so you can just kind of go and um yeah, so we really like that. But we also, you know, we'll do, you know, yoga together. Yeah. Two or three times a week, you know. We used sometime. to do that too. <laughs> I remember those days. Back in the yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because I feel like in London we had a lot more date nights, but it didn't make us any more close where I feel like, you know, here maybe perhaps we don't have as many organized scheduled date nights, but we have a closeness that, that we definitely didn't have before. Well, we spent all of our time together. Yeah. So in London, like we said, I had those working hours, you know, which could be over 40 a week, you know, um, where we weren't together. Yeah. And so here we're always together. But it's like, you know, like um, when I try, like people who ask for tips to like get, how do you keep your marriage, you know, how do you have a successful marriage or a happy marriage? And I, I would say that for us, it's more just the little things. So it's like, 
making sure that we check in with each other. Cause you know, you have five kids and like a whole week can go by sometimes where you haven't actually looked each other in the eyes, you know? Right. Because you can't paid attention to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just about having an awareness and being really conscious of the other person and about prioritizing your relationship, even though there's chaos happening around, you know? And so it's, you know, little things can be important. Like, you know, touching him mm-hmm. just in the kitchen while he's cooking dinner or, um, yeah, like little things, you know, um, like even on the beach, you know, like when he's coming out of the surf and I think he looks sexy in his wetsuit, like I want to tell him that, tell him. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's totally. about like regularly making each other feel loved. Mm. And not just, you know, because you had a date night. Totally. Not checking something off the list yeah. of things you're supposed to do, but making someone feel that feel you feel loved. Yeah. 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 And like we're in it together, you know, sometimes at the dinner table and it's chaos and Wilkie's having a meltdown and teenagers are giving some opinion on something and you just <laughs> It just can feel like there's so much energy in the house. And Michael and I can just look at each other and just feel like there's a softness. Like right. we're in it together. Like you can totally. just kind of laugh. No, like what the hell did we have something there? <laughs> yeah. What the hell have we done? <laughs> Definitely yeah. had too many children. <laughs> Good way to bond over the position. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so cool because it's always been you guys. Like from the beginning, it's just been you and your love has created all of these different people who have their own, you know, personalities and their own little yeah. spin-off of chaos, but it's always been you two. So to remember that and like come yeah. back to each other is is so important. Yeah. yeah. Chaos is your fault. You guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And do you guys have I like? I to blame it on me sometimes. <laughs> that it. <laughs> that Aperol spritz. That last. Yeah, exactly. Totally stop. All you. <laughs> and um, do you guys have like? I have. I don't know. Have you ever heard of like the term love languages? Like, do you have like different love language or like the same love language? Well, you mentioned a couple of them, right? The like the touch the sense and, of touch yeah. and you know compliments. I think yeah. is probably one mm-hmm. of them. I think Michael, every time I try to talk to him about love languages, he he's like, oh, love languages, whatever. Conversation with our girlfriends. But um, I know that Michael's love language is service. Oh. Is that one of them? Yes, acts of service. Yes, mm-hmm. acts of service. Because, you know, he does so much for our family. Mm-hmm. And um, that's definitely... I mean, I, I've never read the book. I've only heard it from my girlfriends, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I can imagine that's definitely one of my You got the Cliff's notes, yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what mine is. It's weird. What do you say when you're talking to your girlfriends about it? Well, I don't really know. I think, like, um, I... I have an awareness of what is what I try to have an awareness for our relationship and how it can be made better. And I know that Michael does love it when I touch him and I tell him I love him. And, um, I know that, that that's good for our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I, yeah, I guess maybe that and um, maybe also services, acts of service. <laughs> when you have five children, your whole day is dedicated to acts of service. So, <laughs> unless you can afford to subcontract it out, you've got to do it. We're doing it. Yeah. And another question I had is what is your favorite thing about each other? I've answered this before because um, my sister ages ago, like probably 10 years ago, we were sitting down, just the two of us having dinner. And my sister said, what asked me, what's your favorite thing about Michael? And also what's your least favorite thing? We can and ask so, that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I had to think about it. We were eating dinner and I, and I finally figured out kind of what my answer was. And it was so funny because my favorite thing about him is also my least favorite thing about him. Wow. So I love that Michael thinks and overthinks every single detail of mm -hmm. our life. Nothing is done without consideration. It's like, and it's so wonderful because I know so many people whose husbands or partners don't, feel as actively involved in the decision-making, um, you know, when it comes to even little things like, you know, well, big things even, like how you educate your kids or what sort of activities your kids do or um, how, what goes in their lunch boxes or, you know, what toothpaste they use when they brush their teeth. Like, whatever it is, mm -hmm. Michael has an opinion. Mm -hmm. And I love that about him because I think he definitely makes our family better because of it and where we live you know he he always has the environment at like the top of the list of priorities and the decisions that we make and so we live this way very consciously because of him you know I mean obviously I care too but he cares way way more and you know, to go back to what I like least, you know, that can be incredibly frustrating sometimes. Because <laughs> he has an opinion about everything. <laughs> There's an opinion about everything and nothing can be done like, like that, you know? Right. Um, so like I, you, we used to joke, but actually like I, there was a point in London where we needed to buy a car and um, there were like three spreadsheets involved in buying this car. <laughs> Like he was so Brian he, too. I mean, exactly. it was like everything considered, you know, there was like the carbon emissions and the cost. And then there was like, oh, okay, well, if we have this car, we don't have to pay the congestion zone charge to get into central London and blah, 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 like a thousand things. And, I, I, and so I'm, you know, and you wanted to buy a used car and it needed to be eco. And anyway, I'm like, I just, you know, it's taking you three months. Like that you, there's like, just go and buy a car. I don't care what car you get. And then he comes back with this minivan, which I was prepared for, but it was bright blue. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, after three months, this is what you came home with? <laughs> I warned you. Like, not bright blue, Michael. Like not, not blue. <laughs> Color was low on my list of priorities, you know. So, so it, it had the right mileage. It was the right make, you know. It was in a good condition on the inside. So I was like, yeah, I don't really like blue, but <laughs> we're not going to be looking wow. at it when we're in the price car. Price is right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The price are you, is right. Are you a, a Virgo? Are you a Virgo? By any no, chance? I'm a Gemini. Oh, a Gemini. 
Like, um, yeah, I don't know. What that I means, know. I, but... <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a Virgo, and I think that he has a very similar way of doing things, and it's like very very thoughtful about everything. That's that's a more that's a nicer way to describe it than usual. Normally, when someone like is a little <laughs> bit anal or like thinks about things more than Jesse thinks they should, it's just like, "Are you a Virgo like Brian?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's yeah. just a real researcher, and like. Yes. It very yeah. much how you're describing, like he's not gonna be like, Yeah, sure, do whatever. It's like, okay, wait, you wanna get this? Okay, we're gonna find the best version of that for the like most best, environmentally yeah, friendly. Yes, one. for yeah. yeah, and do the research right. to exactly and really like narrow it down. And I think you enjoy the process, right? Yeah. I mean, even just uh like like doing these podcasts is such an interesting thing for our relationship because my way of doing <laughs> it would be much more of like let's do some research and figure out you know what people have been talking about before and let's gather our questions and let's put them together in an order and let's talk about who's going to say what and Jesse wants nothing to do with any of that so i, I like, so we have to like, i'm very free flowing like which which is great for me because like we have to go into this i can't like have an order and do my whole thing and then right. she doesn't participate so i end up just free flowing with Jesse. It's yeah, been really it, fun. It's but. actually interesting because we both are on podcasts sometimes and I just show up like literally running in from wherever and Brian has like a whole process yeah. of, of like knowing what he wants to be prepared and it's just different personalities. It's so cool, you know, like yeah. just people's yeah. minds work in different ways. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah, Michael pretty, you're pretty identical to us actually in that respect because for me, I would say what the quality I love most about Courtney is her spontaneity and her, you know, sense of adventure and her willingness just to try anything new and just like not overthink it and go and do it, you know. And so it's kind of, you know, I, I what she values about me you know, <laughs> that she doesn't have, that's what I value in her. And it kind of it liberates me too, because I can stop doing so much research. I can, you know, just like, you know. Um, take a leap sometimes and, and do what, you know, intuitively feels right to her without overthinking it. So that's, that's pretty liberating sometimes. Because if, if she were a researcher, we would like never make any decisions. We would <laughs> right. Sit, yeah, yeah, right. I don't you. think you would like that either. Yeah. If I was like, wait, but here's my list and I have all of these. <laughs> I'm just like, I trust you. You make great decisions. Let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> done the research. Let's, let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's so funny because, like in a relationship, there has to be that kind of balance, you know, like I don't ever stress about money. And that's not because we don't need to stress about money. It's because Michael does all the stressing <laughs> for the two of us. And, you know, I can say, oh, don't stress about that. But actually, because he stresses about it allows me not to. And I and that's where I'm more comfortable, you know. So there's all these sort of things that that help make a relationship, you know, feel balanced. And and yeah you know, because I know that he's worrying or stressing or researching everything, I'm allowed to then be a bit more free because right. I know we're always going to land on our feet. Right. Right. He grounds you guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, even what my you're saying, say that too. my mom's always like, Oh, I never worry about you. Two. You've got Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, even you bringing up something when something doesn't feel right in the relationship, like if, if, that wasn't something you did, you guys wouldn't be where you are, I'm sure. So like having that role as well, someone, yeah. needs, someone needs to do it, right? 
maybe not both people, but one person. Yeah. You know, oh, it's so true. It's like, I mean, going back to the star signs, my sister's a Gemini as well. And they're very similar in this, in that same way where it's like something can bother you and you just ignore it and something can bother you and you just ignore it. My sister, she'll just like ignore so many things. And then out of nowhere from completely like, it, she'll go crazy. You know, she'll, she'll just lose it. And I'm, I just am always like, I just tell you immediately, if, like with anyone in my life, like if, if there's something that someone does, I just have to say, oh, that, that bothered me or that's great. I hurt or cause I just have to talk and talk and talk because I can never have something pile up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, in our relationship, it's very like, that's that dynamic. I, mm-hmm. I never let things yeah. build. Well, it's probably so, so nice for you, Michael, to have someone like that because it draws yeah. you out of yourself where you normally probably would. Would not. It does. That's true. Yeah. Again, if if Courtney were the kind of if she had my personality, I don't think we have lasted this long. You know, we would have right. or or it wouldn't be as deep of a relationship. It would just sort yeah. of float. Or it's happening. You know, yeah. like uh, it's fulfilling. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I, I guess to Michael with, with your spreadsheets, <laughs> what, what kind of spreadsheets are you working on now? I mean, <laughs> because like, and I mean that more in terms of like what's kind of next on the horizon for you guys in terms of, you know, what you need to think and research and plan for. Yeah. Thankfully, not a lot. You know, one of the nice things about living here is um, our life has really simplified and, you know, you, you don't need as much to be happy when you have the outdoors and you have, you know, hobbies like surfing and it's so easy to get to and relatively inexpensive to do. Um, the things I think a lot about are the garden, you know, <laughs> and cooking really. Those are kind of, if I'm, you know, spending time researching stuff, it's like, you know, how am I going to get rid of those weeds without a spray, you know? So, <laughs> That's um, great. It sounds like a, a low, relatively low stress uh, things to be thinking about. That's it is. Cool. Yeah, it really is. So uh, I feel, we feel very lucky to have landed where we've landed and to kind of, you know, prioritize the things that we've prioritized and it's made for, you know, a pretty um, easy life right now, which is fortunate. So nice. Do you see kind of five years from now, 15 years from now being kind of right where you are doing similar things? Yeah, we we really love this house and and Courtney will always tell people, this is the house that we're going to grow old in, you know, she, um, The neighbor is a real estate agent. He's like, you know, if you sold your house now, she's like, don't talk about it. You know, we're never selling this house. You know, we're never going anywhere. Um, what a good feeling! It's such a good feeling. It's such. It's not something I've ever felt before until we moved here. Um, I grew up in a really small town. I never loved it. Everyone knew everyone's business, and um, you know, I went to university in Chicago and I had fun, but I didn't love it. And then we lived in LA and I didn't think it was our forever place. And then we lived in London and for 12 years in London, I never thought it was our forever place. And I just feel so grounded now. Just everything we have is all we need and want. And like, I'll, I definitely see myself being just like an old lady in this house. Mm. (laughs) It's such a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys like created it yourselves, right? You really redid the whole thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a charming house to begin with, but you know, we were able to kind of restore it and 
some of the features that had been neglected over the years, we were able to kind of bring those back. And, you know, it was the so. first house built in this little town. So it's like wow. 120 something years old. Yeah. So it's got a lot of history and it's, um, I mean, it's a tiny house for the seven of us. But we, so that's kind of why we had to renovate it a bit. We, we had to like add it. another bathroom and try to squeeze it. in a little closet for a Wilkie uh-huh. as a bedroom and, you know, kind of that thing, that kind of thing. Do a lot of the kids share rooms? Yeah, they, they all, all share rooms. Yeah. They all share rooms. So what is it? The girls share and the boys share? Yeah. And Wilkie mm-hmm. is like in, a, in our closet kind of. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's all, yeah. literally all, all yeah. a kid needs is like just yeah. a family's room. Until, yeah. Until yeah. 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 Wilkie spends like three hours a night in that room and then he's in our bed. <laughs> <laughs> so. I feel like. Yes, go ahead. Well, I just feel like a smaller house is a happier house, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like a big house where you don't know where anyone is doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah, and it's more to... Just more to, to maintenance. To me, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, we... You know, like, I've been a mother long enough to know that you can have a really big house, but your kids will still be right wherever you are, you know? <laughs> You know, yesterday we were trying to cook dinner and Wilkie had like a train track going in between our legs. And like, That's exactly what was going on in our kitchen. All these laying on the ground in the kitchen as we're like taking clams out of the thing. We're like, of all places right here in front of the oven. You're yeah. Like, so you can have a playroom, but they're not going to play in the playroom, you right. know? Right. Totally. So. Well, how amazing that you guys have landed in such a perfect spot and you're living yeah. your dream life, it sounds like. We do feel really, yeah. really grateful for it. Yeah. It's amazing. So any last, yeah. So I guess any last things you want to share? I know Courtney that you have a course that you're, that you're offering, which I'm actually curious about because I think it's a lot about pregnancy. Is that right? Yeah. So um, last year I created an e-course on like family lifestyles. So we covered, um, you know, parenting and family life and kind of all of the dynamics within a family and then um, home, like home organization and decor, food, like cooking as a family, lunch boxes, snacks, family snacks stuff and travel and then like general lifestyle stuff. So that was packaged in a five-week course and it's now available still on my website as like a five-part self-administered kind Mm -hmm. of course. And then this year I created a new course on pregnancy birth in the first year cool. and it's a three week course. And I ran that in May and I'm going to run it again in October, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is the best thing about these courses is that it just brings together a community of, you know, mostly moms um, who are all in a similar, you know, similar path and similar journey of their life. And you, especially with the pregnancy and birth one, it's a very targeted particular audience, but it's so wonderful because it brings together women who are in that same special season of life, dealing with all the same stuff and allows a space for women to be vulnerable and share and ask and um, learn from each other, which is really beautiful. Um, So amazing, especially now when people can't really have that community in person. Yeah. 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 So yeah, with that course, I have like, I, I've interviewed heaps of people, you know, experts on each sort of topic. And then I've kind of created a PDF with my things I've learned and less, you know, lessons that I can share. 
And then it's just about, you know, facilitating this community, putting questions out there, asking the group, and then we do these live Q&As and stuff. But it's really about like getting everyone to share. And you learn so much from other people's and it's also, it tends to be a very international mix of people. Yeah, too, right? which yeah, is, which is really cool. Brings it's, another, you know, it, perspective. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love that aspect too because we're here kind of really far away from the rest of the world and it just feels so nice to connect with women all over who are... So all. cool. Yeah. So cool. And I'm actually, like right now, I'm creating a little um, guide. It'll be just like a one-off guide on homeschooling. Like home Ooh, we learning. we need that. Yeah, so I thought because I just keep getting asked by so many people, so many messages on Instagram asking for tips and resources or just, you know, what we because, you know, obviously we've only we homeschooled for 18 months while we traveled. And then during COVID lockdown, we homeschooled for three months. So we're obviously we're not experts, but we do have the lots of um, strategies and yeah, and And advice for for doing it. Yeah. And then I'm going to get some people to share their advice to people who are more experienced too. So that should, that hopefully I'll have that ready in another couple of weeks, which will be exciting. And then, um, yeah. That's can. really exciting. We, we always talk about how we hope that there's like an infrastructure for w- what you guys did for the kids when you're traveling to, to be plugged in to schools or to communities or to have that sort of, you know, just seamless travel school flow um in like a nomadic lifestyle yeah i mean it's it's interesting because um like homeschooling while you're on the road is a totally different experience than homeschooling when you're home it's actually makes it a lot easier we found because you're constantly learning as you travel and explore different places and meet new people and try new foods and um you can't help but learn geography and you can't help but learn cultural lessons and life skills, life skills and all of those things. And because you're constantly traveling, um, it's such an opportunity for learning and developing your children's curiosity, which is the biggest lesson you can teach your kids. Um, so homeschooling from your own home is actually way more challenging. We have found well, especially when, like during COVID, you had to get through a curriculum, right? You were trying to keep the kids caught up with their class, and so, and to do that and balance that with trying to work from home too, that was that oh was really gosh. challenging. That was yeah. incredibly challenging. Gosh, seriously, I can't even imagine. We didn't have to do that because Amelie is only three, so yeah. But yeah, for you guys, that's a big feat to accomplish. It was. That was. It super challenging so everyone's back in school now yes they well, are for now, for now. You know, you, we don't know um if it will get bad again but um but yeah for now they are um and that's great yeah. <laughs> it must be like night and day i can't even imagine oh <laughs> it was just uh like having two you know we have two high schoolers and then we have two in the primary school and then we had a toddler who needed to be kept entertained and so that was just um, wild. And, you know, the, the high schoolers had to be on devices because they were learning through like Google classrooms and Zoom. And, you know, it's like we only have so many devices in this house, you know, so it's like trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to work, but they need my computer. And I'm like, oh, this is madness. <laughs> it really was. I mean, we survived somehow. But yeah, but going back to your wanting to travel and educate, that is actually 
easy. Mm. Yes. I mean, especially if you're doing it pre high school, I think, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and we, you and know, you can, I went into it thinking it was going to be pretty rigorous what we were going to do. And, um, but then I had some advice from the Dean of the kids uh, primary school in London who said, don't do anything. They're going to learn, you know, um, everything they need to know on the road. And, that was always in the back of my head. And as we went along, I realized, yeah, he was right. I don't really need to, to keep up all this stuff. And then... I mean, we did still. We did. But when they got back into school here in Australia and um, you talked to the teachers, they said, your kids bring... the the most interesting kids in the class because they have all these stories to share. Right. And all the other kids find them fascinating because of the, their stories, you know? And so, um, yeah, thank you for, for whatever you did on that year, which we didn't do anything, but, you know, them along and, and have them experience it so uh, it wasn't they, they were fine with you know the literacy and the numeracy they were able to keep up with not that much effort but the the life experience and the cultural experience and all that really i think was valuable and has made them more interesting people i hope yeah how could it not yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well, it is such a pleasure to talk with you guys and to get to hang out. It's kind of cool. We're, oh, nice. <laughs> we're like, you know, across I the world. Do it more often. <laughs> I know this is really fun. We're you're you're actually at our dinner table right now at our dining room table. Oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, you guys are really inspiring to us and I'm sure to everyone who's listening. Um, so thank you for, you know, sharing cuz you know, you don't have to share what you're doing and and all of these tips and resources and you know, but you make it a point to do that and to inspire people like us who might not have had the courage to to bring children along for the ride on these adventures. So thank you. Oh, it's I mean, I love that about um, the sort of online community. I mean, there's there's good and bad about, you know, social media, but I, I love that you can connect with other people and learn and feel inspired by other the way other people are doing life. and. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, it's a pleasure yeah. to share. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank well, you. well, let's uh, let's hang soon. Yeah, let's hang out yeah. again <laughs> soon. <laughs> Do it again soon. We'll bring maybe on. Maybe again at some point. Uh, yeah. 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 Maybe our paths will cross on on an adventure yeah. sometime soon. We definitely want to go to Byron Bay at some point. You that's should, hey, that's you on to. our list for yeah. sure. Do you guys yeah. ever come out here? We yeah we did we usually would pass through the Los Angeles area every other year or so. But now I just we well, Michael still or. has family in California, so um, yeah. So there's a reason. There's always a reason for us to go to California to see family, but it's just we just don't know when it yeah. happen again. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We'll come past through Santa Barbara. I think. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, We've never been to your to Byron Bay to where you are, but it, it, you know, we we have moments here, you know, at the beach with you know new friends, and it, it certainly feels like it's a similar type of a community. So yeah, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's the closest you can get around here to that type of yeah small yeah. town, but like yeah, people just really embracing life, you know, nature like, and, yeah, yeah, nature, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the priorities are on like going to the beach and surfing and all that type of stuff. <laughs> <The best time>. yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I hope you have a great day. And thank you. Thank you again, and we'll talk, talk to soon. You soon. Yeah, nice to see you guys. Nice to see Bye. you. Bye.